Amen. So Psalm 39. Psalm 39, verse 1. To the chief musician, to Jedithan, a psalm of David. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle, while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stored. I was stirred up. So David writing, and he is saying here that he will guard his ways. That he, he said, I will guard my ways. Uh, when we consider that and we think of that, um, the, what might come to mind would be self-control. You know, that is one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. Uh, that self-control is evidence of Christ in our life. If we have no self-control, we have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't control myself. I need your help. You know, give me that self-control. And he will. It might take a while. He might have to beat something out of us. He might have to heat it out of us. You know, whatever it is, stick us right in the, the, the fiery trial so that we uh, we hear from him. And we, he has our attention in those things. But but uh, that, that, uh, that I would guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue, it says. So he's talking about what he says. You know, those are, ooh, you know, controlling what we say. Uh, if you'd keep your, your spot in your, in your Bible and turn with me um, all the way uh, to the New Testament, to James chapter 3, we're going to read 12 verses there. <clears throat> James chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. You know, that I'm, I'm going to watch what I say. What, what, what The words that come out of my mouth um, is what David just said. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle uh, while the wicked are before me. And then uh, he's, he also says, as you're turning there, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. That that self-control that he's talking about and uh, not sinning with his tongue. So let's look at James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also, uh, also to bride, uh, bridle the whole body. You know, that's uh, those two verses. Wow. A perfect man able to also bridle the whole body. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look, at, look also at ships. Also, they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set against our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, 
but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My blessing, my, my brethren, uh, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. It's quite a statement about taming the tongue, isn't it? I mean, when, when you consider what he's saying here is that the strength of a horse can be controlled by a little piece of metal that you put in their mouth. Pull them here, you pull them there, and it's controlling. Uh, I, I know I've referenced wrestling several times, but when I first started wrestling, my wrestling coach told us, if you control your, their head, you control their body. So we learned head control, how to, if I pull somebody this way, their leg is going to come this way, then their leg's available, and I can attack that, right? Somebody puts their head down, you, you know, bury in a half Nelson, and you turn them over. It's controlling their head. You control their head, you control their body. You control the, the head of a horse, you can control its body. Then it's talking about a ship, that the sails, you know, mighty sails, and it's going strongly in one direction. And then when, when the, the pilot or, or the captain of the ship is turning uh, turning the, the wheel, the steering wheel, whatever it is, uh, um, uh, that that rudder in the back, that little thing is controlling where that huge ship goes. Isn't that crazy? No matter how big it is, they have that rudder in the back, and that's controlling where that thing goes. He's using those things as examples because our little tongue, just that little part of our body, how it can be so set against our members, he's saying, and create so much devastation in our lives and in the lives of others. When he says that, that it sets on fire uh, the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell. And it goes on to, to talk about uh, in verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I mean, these are some pretty heavy verses. When you consider how do we control what we say? How many times have, have you been told by a parent or told uh, your kids when it gets to that point, you better watch your mouth? You better, you better, you know, better you stop that tongue right where it's at and stop talking right now. You're, you're done talking because as you're talking, you're, you're digging a, a bigger hole for yourself. You're getting yourself into more trouble. Our words that we sometimes don't consider what our words go out and do, right? What, what, what damage they can do in someone's life. You know, you, you consider... Um, I've heard of, uh, and we've all heard of several people, young people that have committed suicide because they go to school and they're badgered by people's words, some physically, but by their words, you know, just saying things to them. You're worthless. You're not worth anything. You're not going to have any, this you know, wicked things that have gone, this isn't just today. Um, that's gone on, you know, for a long time, you know, that, that type of, of verbal bashing that people can have and, uh, and how powerful that is what it does. And James goes on to say here that out of the same, in, in verse 9, he says, with our tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men uh, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Uh, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. 
You know, that's a powerful thing. So when, when David is talking about all the way back in Psalm 39, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue, lest I say something that's going to be sinful. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And he goes on to say, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. He was, he was just watching everything he had to say, and he had to keep his mouth shut, you know, and, and sometimes we need to. Sometimes, you know, there, there are times where we need to be silent because we know whatever we say could be turned against us, you know, even in those things. You said, and you know, what, how did you get to that? Well, you said this, well, yeah, but that's not even close to the context. You know, those things, we're just being very careful with what we say, how we say it. You know, there, there's a there's a lot that can uh, that can happen because of our words. Then he it, it back in in James, if you if you've turned away from there, that's fine. But he's talking about can a, a fig tree, uh, my brethren, bear olives? And he's talking about these things that don't bear. You know, a grapevine uh, doesn't bear figs; those types of things. Now, uh, I'm going to read you some verses from Matthew chapter 12, and they'll be up here, verse 33 uh, through 37 says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, those those choosing our words carefully. I mean, I, I know, oh boy, there are some things that I've regretted. There are some things, but, you know, being covered by the blood of Christ and being able to stand there and go, Yes, I am guilty of that, 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 and that, but I stand in his righteousness. You know, does that give us the, the freedom to go on and say and do? No, no. Once we've, we've accepted the Lord, we move on from those things in our life. Those things should be uh, turned away from, right? And we walk toward uh, the Lord and, uh, and we walk in newness, newness of how we speak. You know, uh, that's, uh, I've, seen, I've seen some pretty big um a pretty big transformations, even in vocabulary. Uh, my own vocabulary changed quite a bit when I started walking with the Lord. Like, I'm probably not going to listen to that song because that's swears all through it, you know, and, and, and those things. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yep. It didn't, it didn't bother you before. Right. But then, you know, you know what, that need, that needs to not be a part of my life. My speech is going to change. What I say is, is going to be different. Proverbs 17 verse 27 says, He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. <laughs> Don't you like that? We're talking about our words, controlling our words, having that, that self-control, being able to, as David would say, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. 
you know, a, a man of understanding. Uh, it's it was going back to the beginning of 27. It says, he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. You know, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. That guy must be really perceptive, you know, and he just like, you know, I can tell you right now that when the conversation gets to certain things and you guys know, you know, when uh, I was at, at work and somebody was uh, a math, a uh, math professor uh, starts talking and I just, I explained to her when you put numbers and letters and punctuation together and tell me I've got to break them down and figure out what those, I, I, I can't do it. It does not compute in my brain, you know, and, and she understands that she's a math professor. That's her, her life. But those things don't make sense. So when they're doing that, I'm just going to probably step out of the conversation. So I don't try to solve the, the thing. And they just look at me like, do you have any idea what a quadratic uh, equation is? See, I can't even say it. You know? Uh, no, I don't. I don't even, I, I have no idea what that means. You know, there, there are certain things here that um, even if I, I may not understand what it is, if I just keep my mouth shut, uh, then I might be considered perceptive. I don't know. But Ecclesiastes 5.2 says... Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before the Lord for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Do not be rash with your mouth. It's not easy to do when we're angry, <laughs> right? Right. This comes out. I'm just going to. And then, oh, you know, and did, did, they, did that person hear me? You know, did anybody hear me? Oh, yeah. The guy that I might have been sharing the Lord with heard that. Right? Do not be rash. doesn't necessarily have to be a swear, but it could be complete disrespect. It can be those things that would just ruin, you know. Uh, and, and then we've got to go repent and we've got to go ask forgiveness and say, you know what? I failed right there. I, what I said right there, you shouldn't have heard from me. Uh, I've been sharing the Lord with you. God does not want me to be uh, speaking like that or anything. And then and 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 confess. But hopefully that's going to open those doors back up. But an encouragement not to be rash with our mouth. James one verses nineteen and twenty says, "So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Swift to hear." slow to speak, right? Most of the time, especially for guys, it's opposite, right? We're not all just, uh, just by, um, uh, I can't even think of the word, um, demographic. Uh, that's, that's one of the words I'm trying to think of. But uh, when, when we can consider men overall aren't known for being great listeners, um, especially husbands, uh, my wife can be having a conversation with me and I'm acknowledging and I'm doing this and that. And then I have to look at her and say, I have no idea what you just said. And I apologize. And she'll just give me a look. You know, she's very patient, but she knows I've got, you know, I'm thinking it might be something completely stupid. I don't know. Um, but I, even, uh, uh, even recently eating, eating, uh, we were out at a restaurant with some friends and, uh, as we're sitting there eating, I'm being talked to and I have no idea, no idea. And everybody looks at me like, John, I'm like, I totally tuned out for the conversation. I'm not the greatest listener. I try to be, but sometimes I'm not. But being swift to hear, being quick to hear, that means, you know, being training ourselves to be swift to hear and slow to speak. 
sometimes we just need to be the listener and just not say anything and say, or just, I got you. I understand you. Let's talk about that in a little bit. I need to pray about that. I need to, I need to process that before we continue on. Whatever, whatever the circumstance may be. It may not be a heated conversation. It might be a good one. Anything. There's, there's great wisdom in being swift to hear and being slow to speak. You know, when David is, is talking about restraining his mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before him, you know, he's choosing his words very carefully. He, he has to choose that. That's what he's saying here is that I have to choose what I'm saying very carefully. And we just talked about how our tongue can set on set a forest fire uh, verbally, right? We can, we can create that big of a mess uh, just by what we say in our lives. That, that type of disaster can come uh, from what we say, the things that we say. And uh, so when David is saying that, uh, he's, he's saying that he had to be careful in what he was saying. Verse 3 says, My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. He's talking about his heart being within him and musing. He's thinking deeply that there's a lot going on. His heart is just, it feels like it's, it's, it's just burning uh, within him. And, and he's thinking deeply, that musing, that, that's a deep thought, right? And, and as that musing is going, it says, while I was musing, the fire burned. As I'm thinking uh, very deeply. And then he says that I spoke with my tongue to the Lord. And he's, he's, he's praying to the Lord. If you're going to say something, you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all, right? How many times did we hear our parents? If you don't know what to say or you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. David is just, whatever's happening between him and these people is he doesn't even want to get involved in it. He doesn't want these things to happen, but he's burning up. So he reaches out to the Lord and he says, Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I, I may know how frail I am? that I may know how frail I am. That's a great thing to pray. Because I, especially when we're young, right? When we're 18, 20 years old, we think we're invincible. There's nothing that can hurt us. You know, I remember, forgive me if I already shared this, but I remember being on four-wheelers and uh, a couple guys from work, and there were three of us, and we just uh, climbed Chick Hill on Route 9, and uh, after climbing the hill and everything, I think we drove our four wheelers up. Maybe we went all the way up, um, and then uh, we we're like, "Hey, let's go! Let's go along the logging trail." And there's an old um, uh, uh, air airport, like a small private airport landing strip, and the Boy Scouts have something out there. And uh, we find some jumps. And I'm on my four wheeler. I know I told you guys this. I think I did, but I'm on my four wheeler. Uh, you know, one guy's just kind of doing his thing, and then me and another guy are like, "Hey, let's do some jumps." And uh, I was around four-wheelers and dirt bikes and three-wheelers as a kid. I wasn't really a jumper, though. I was pretty pretty young, didn't, didn't know how to control it, and I'm pretty scared of it. If you don't know, when you're riding an ATV, a motorcycle, even a car, if you're not scared of it, that's when you're going to get hurt, right? When you don't understand how powerful that thing can be. And I got going, and I was going too fast. And I launched that four-wheeler up, and I was leaning forward. You know, my first jump was like, oh, hey, you know, my buddy's like, that was pretty cool. And I'm like, all right, I get a little bit of confidence and I hammer on that four wheeler and I jump. And when I'm jumping, my, my the front end's going down like this. That's 
a killer, a, you know, broken back. Uh, you're talking about, you know, paralysis, uh, maiming, you know, whatever it is. You know, there, there's all that there that could uh, just really uh, make things very bad for me. And when I landed on that front tire and I was realized, that, okay, I'm not rolling. And, I, and I'm like, I'm done jumping. <laughs> I was all done jumping. And I'm like five miles an hour throughout the, you know, it got my attention because I realized I have a wife and kids at home and what I just did could have killed me, you know, and I, just cause I, I mean, I, I had no fear when I jumped that thing. What I wasn't paying attention to was my balance. And I knew better. I knew better than that. And, and when I'm coming down, I'm, I'm going, Oh, and I'm just like, Oh Lord. You know, I'm just like, and I thought it was over. You know, I thought I was indestructible. I thought, you know, hey, if I, you know, there's nothing's going to happen. God got my attention really fast. Really, John? How about this? <laughs> when, you're, when your front tires are going down and you're in the air and you're going fast, that's a scary feeling. And I realized I'm not invincible and I need to settle down. When David is, is praying here and he's saying, Lord, make me to know my end. None of us know what our end is going to be. David is making sure he's asking the Lord, you know, what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? That's a deep, he's, he's in deep thought. But remember, he says, when I was musing, when he, he's just going, I don't know how my life is going to end. You know, Lord, can you, can you show me, you know, speak to me about, about these, these, my mortality, you know, show me who I am, you know, show me my weaknesses, you know, show me how frail I am. This is a man of, of, of great power. People respected him. He had people at his beck and call. And uh, he could he could say to a servant, go do this and that. They, they would just go do it. They would die for him. You know, that you can get to a point where you don't realize how frail you are. Because, you know, everybody's at your, at your command. The power could set in. And here's a man saying, Lord, keep me humble. Show me, the, you know, uh, what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. That humility, that a king would have that humility. It's not very often we hear of that. Verse 5, Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best is but vapor. Salah. So, days are as handbreadths. My age is nothing before you. Now, that's that's intense you know god isn't limited by us how old or how young we are but when we consider our life in the times in, in our time span you know when when we can look at the scripture and it says that to the lord uh, you know a thousand years are as a day and a day as a thousand years what's 80 something years <laughs> right that's just it's quick you know for us i remember you guys know when you're a kid when you think of a year, I mean, Christmas Day, you're all excited. And then, you know, Christmas night, it's like, I got to wait another 365 days for that. But when, I mean, here we are, we're already, uh, how many days into this year? We're already, you know, uh, uh, almost, I don't know, 90, you know, here we're, we're cranking along and we're, we're already moving forward. You know, we, when we get busy, when we're at work and those things, those days go by fast. It says, you have made my days as hand, as hand breaths, hand, like the span of a hand. This, if you consider that being a, a short time, 
You know, my it, that we would understand that you know God has our lives in His hand, and my age has nothing before you. You know, doesn't matter how old I. That's nothing to the Lord. We can't go. Oh well, you know, you know that I've been around long enough and I'm wise or anything like that. No, just understand that to Him, uh, when it says, certainly every man at his best is still but vapor, vapor. <laughs> Boom, we're here, we're gone, right? Um, when we consider the lives of, of, this says every man in his best state. In his best state is just vapor. You know, what do we do with that, that short little span that we have? And, and when you think of the span of time, you know, six, 7,000 years, the, 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 the age of the earth. And you think of, of our little span in there, that, that the, the scripture is saying that it's, it's, uh, in our best state is is but vapor, you know. Um, this is a reminder for us to stay little in our own, own eyes, stay humble in our own eyes. You guys, uh, you know, remember um, when Samuel was uh, rebuking Saul, and uh, and he says, "When you were little in your own eyes," and he, he reminds Samuel, uh, uh, sorry, he reminds Saul. Like at one point you were humble, but that's all changed. It all, all this power and all this, everything that you have, it went to your head. It, that we want that humility. We want to stay humble in our own eyes and understand who God is and who we are. We're vapor. We're we're like that cast of crown says, you know, we're uh, just a vapor in the wind. You know, we can be a flower quickly fading. You know, and we get that from James also. You know, that flower that, that has its, its splendor for a very short time and then the sun hits it and it withers away. You know, we don't, we, we're, we're not permanent. You know, think here, and I don't mean to upset anybody, but think of people that we've loved and they're gone. Their life is just, they're gone. They're go we'll, we'll never see them on this earth again. That's a hard thing to think of. And when you go, man, the time I had with them seems like it was so short. Right. You know, when when someone you guys have heard this, you know, when someone is on their deathbed, they're usually not saying, I wish I would have worked more. No, I wish I would have spent more time with family and those loved ones and everything. Understanding how temporal we are is very important to us. We're the scripture tells us we're sojourners. We're passing through this life, whether we're here for you know 15 years or 100 years or whatever it is. That time is still very small. It's still, it's still, you know, you think of what has happened in someone's lifetime. Um, we, we just think of how technology has changed. And, and I just know in my lifetime, I'm 43. And, and I, I, I don't, it was like, if you missed a phone call at home, you missed the phone call. You have no idea who called, right? You have no idea who called. And that could have been, you know, an invite to go roller skating. Or, you know, all those, right? You know, the, the coolest thing when you're stuck at home and, and there's nothing going on. You got three channels on TV to watch and it's cold, rainy outside. And it could have been your friend saying, hey, you know, and you missed the call. And you're not going to the mall or movies or you're not going to go do it. Remember that, right? Just in that little time, right? And from the time I was there till, oh, wait, now we can have a pager. This little thing that somebody can dial this thing and leave a number for me. And then I don't know if I ever had a pager. I might have like, uh, I was really late to get one when I got one. And then it was like cell phone time. 
Um, so I had a pager, I think, for a little while, and then I just was like, okay, whatever. But then we'd go to a pay phone, right? If you didn't, if you didn't have a phone near you, if you were at school or whatever, you got to. Oh man, can I have a quarter? You got to find somebody with a quarter and put that in. Pay phones don't even exist anymore, do they? I mean, I imagine somewhere they do. You know, you know, five dollars you can make a three-minute phone call or whatever. But uh, you know, just think of just communications, how that has changed, right? Yep. Right, a, a map, right, with a paper map, she said. I went across the country three times with a paper map. Yeah, yeah, just with a paper map. Uh, I hope I'm right here, right? Just And now we have something that can literally tell us step by step. You're 10 feet from the door, take a right. You know, just think of how that has changed in in one lifetime. I know that at 43 from, you know, and, and if you really shorten that up till, you know, okay, maybe 10 when I would have been old enough to even really start doing anything like that. So in 33 years, how much that has changed. It's crazy. I remember when, when uh, Jen and I were over in Italy and one of her friends had a cell phone. And that was a big deal because I was still, we were still like 19. And to have a cell phone was expensive. And uh, her friend, her friend's name was Nikki, and uh, her phone was like double the size of this. And I used to make fun of her. I'd be like, "Hello," you know, and I, you know, it was like putting a brick to your head. You know what I mean? And you know, that that was how big it was with a big antenna and everything like that. And even before we left, so we were there for two years. Before we left, we got smaller phones, and there's you know flip phones, and they're looking cool and everything. So just even in those years, and then the technology that's just boom, 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 boom. Facial recognition. I don't even have to touch anything. I can grab this phone, look at it, and then it's unlocked, and I can get right into my phone. I just look at my phone, and it reads my face. That's frightening, right? We are vapor. Our lives are so temporal. That prayer, Lord, remind me how temporal I am. You know, show me, show me. And, and, and when he says, in the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. That's wise to know how, how weak am I? How frail am I? Wow. <clears throat> His best state, vapor. Verse 6. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. So when we look at a shadow, I had my dog outside <laughs> the other night, and it was cool because uh, the way the, the streetlight was or, or whatever it was, the shadows you know, projecting from him onto the trees. And he's outside, and he does, he's like sprints right to himself, the, his, sh his shadow, and then he's like looking at these woods, and he's like trying to figure out what was that I was just running at. His own, he didn't understand it. A shadow's empty. Right. You know, when you think of a shadow, you know, and, and trying to outrun your shadow, you know, those things. But when you, you know, surely every man walks about like a shadow. There's no there's no uh, substance to a, a shadow. You know, surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know uh, who will gather them. When he says here, they busy themselves in vain. Proverbs 23 verses four and five say, do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make 
themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. That's, that's David's son, Solomon, writing that in, in Proverbs 23. Do not overwork to be rich. I think America missed that part, right? So, oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the birthday party. I'm going to miss the... I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where we've just got to get something done to pay our bills. But if the goal is, if I work hard enough and I sacrifice enough of this, then I'm going to be rich. And then I'm going to have the house on the hill and the beach house and this and that. I'm going to have all those things and I can be done working. And what does this say here? He says uh, in, in uh, Proverbs 23 verse uh, 5 says, uh, will you set your eyes on that which is not? Those things don't exist, right? And then he says, for riches certainly make themselves wings. R riches are temporary. They can fly away. Okay, consider this. Remember the cryptocurrency or, or whatever it is? Uh, there's another word for it. But uh, uh, um, what, what is it? It's cryptocurrency, but it's um, Bitcoin. Yes. The guy that was a billionaire and then... Like by the end of the night, he had $100,000 in his pocket, something like that. That's crazy. Gone. Riches grew wings and flew away. When David is talking about, surely every man walks like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. They heap up riches and do not know who's going to gather them. If the focus and then his son shares, uh, do not overwork to be rich. And he's talking about those riches going away. You don't know where they're going, right? Isn't it sad when someone passes away to watch the, the hyenas come, right? They come and they're like, I can benefit. How many times have we heard of that? Or uh, hopefully none of us, but and hopefully none of us are, are involved in that. You know, just the, the, you know, all fighting over the chicken leg that's left, right? Oh, that's going to be, if I have that then this is going to change my life. How many families have been torn up because of inheritances? We don't know where it's going, right? We could build it up, but as soon as we go, right, we've talked about this before, and I know it's cliche, but you don't have the U-Haul being towed behind the hearse. Whatever it is that, that we build up here is going to be left for somebody. Is it, is, it, is it godly? Is it smart to leave your children with something that would benefit them? Absolutely. That's fine. But when that's the goal, when that's your life drive, and you just got to have these riches, got to have these riches, and you've sacrificed everything else, who, who knows where it's going to go? Do they care that you're gone? No. They want the money. They want the car. They want the house. Right? It's all going to be gone. There's going to be that, that fight over, over what was left. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's gone. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you know, how many times have we heard of it? Hopefully not witnessed it in our lives or been a part of it, but sad. Verse 7, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. Excuse me, I am consumed by the blow of your hand. Those are powerful words. And now, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. You know, is there anything left for me to wait for? No, I'm just going to go to God. You know, as he cried out in the verse before, he, he just, he had to, when he opened his mouth, it had to go to the Lord. And he's saying, deliver me, 
not from those that oppress me, right? Look at verse 8. Deliver me from all my transgressors, uh, transgressions, those things that I have done wrong. Deliver me from my transgressions. Though that's that's when we are reflecting. I mean, this man is is this is a prayer of self-reflection. And when he's saying, Lord, help me to understand how temporal I am, to not be focused on riches, on, on those things. And then when he's saying here, when I consider myself, there are transgressions that I need the Lord to deliver me from. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. He says, I, you know, I was mute. I didn't open my mouth because it was you who did it. You were, you were the one that brought me to that point that I had to open my mouth. And, and, and God is a remove. And he says, remove your plague from me. I'm consumed by the blow of your hand. Now, this is heavy. The Lord is, is, is speaking so heavily to him. And he's just now he's at a point where that, that as he's reflecting, he's just like he's crying out for God's mercy. Verse 11, when with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. So he's saying that once again. You have to wonder when David wrote this, was he having one of those days? <laughs> That's an emotional day. David wrote a lot, didn't he? He wrote psalms. He wrote songs. When things were bothering David, he uh, he would go to a quiet place with his notebook and his tongue, you know, with his quill, right? And he'd sit down in front of a scroll and he'd start writing, and he's just pouring his heart out to the Lord. This was one of those days for David. That you know, when uh, it says, "When with rebukes you correct a correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth." <laughs> this is this is a guy that was used to looking like a king, right? And he's going, whatever beauty I could have, it melts away when the Lord is rebuking me, when he's correcting me. And we talked about the Lord's correction, that he corrects those that he loves, right? He chastens those who he loves. You can see that in Proverbs, you see that in Hebrews, that he's doing that for our own good. And, and David is saying here that even my beauty... Uh, it can melt away. Surely every man is vapor. You know, we're we're nothing standing in front of the Lord. My days, the, my age is nothing standing in front of the Lord. Uh, he, this is deep self-reflection, important for us to do. And uh, my encouragement to you is, if we're in the point where um, we know that as we're thinking on things, we're only experiencing condemnation. That's of, of our the wicked one, or it's of our flesh. Because we know, and the scripture says, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know that's not the spirit that's, that's condemning us. The spirit can correct us and does correct us. He's faithful to do so. But if we're having one of those days or whatever, and everything seems bad or everything, step back, pray to the Lord and say, God, I need to pour this out to you because my heart is burning within me and I'm going through so much. I understand how frail I am, and I need you to, get to thank you for reminding me. But you know today's just one of those days. You know, how many times have we, and, and if, if, you know, if, if we're close enough with somebody, we can just go, oh. <laughs> I've had one of those days. And you get it, right? And we get it when a friend says that, right? When a loved one says that, I've had one of those days. And a proper response would be, man, what, what can I pray for you? What's going on? 
right? To share instead of going, oh yeah, me too. No, they're saying that because they want to talk. They want to share that. They want that, that support, that prayer. Be quick to hear, right? Slow to speak. Be quick to hear. You know, be there for each other. Pray. I mean, that's that's a. I mean, everything here is just you can you can see that David is just being crushed right now. There's so much going on internally with David. Our eyes being open to the temporal is a good thing for us. That's it's a good thing. But if we notice that it's only bringing about uh, this um, uh, this frustration and condemnation in those things, uh, go to the Lord with it and say, Lord, I need I, I don't I don't recognize this as being from you. I need you to protect me, protect my mind. And he will. Right. We've talked about that. He uh, Philippians four, six and seven. Right. That anxiety that can come from it. Go to the Lord and thank him and say, I need you to protect my mind right now because it's just messing with me. There's so much going on here. Pour our hearts out to him because if we're dealing with that type of, of, of a heavy day or, or situation and we're not going to the Lord, it's just going to get worse for us when we're carrying our burden by ourselves. You know, when the Lord tells us when we're weary, go to him. He's got a, a light burden. And his yoke is easy. Just go to him and be like, I am weighed down. There's so much going on, Lord. I need to hear from you. I know that I'm temporal. I know all these things. I just, I got to come to you. So the encouragement there. And I can tell you, um, I know for me, I can just look at Jen and go, and, 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 and just, I, we all, we all experience those attacks. I can tell you that I very, very much appreciate everybody's prayers when they say, you know, I've been praying for you or this group of people you know, we've been meeting, we've been praying for you. I don't take that lightly because I know I have an enemy and especially in this position, not that I, I'm any more special, but I, where I am proclaiming the gospel here, uh, publicly here, and I'm, uh, uh, it's getting out on airwaves or, or whatever it may be, I, I'm being used uh, by the Lord in a different way. And uh, man, I can tell you those attacks come. I'll promise you they come. They come. And there are times where I, I'll sit in there and it takes me a little while to understand. Oh, oh, that was it me telling myself that I'm not good enough? You ever had that? Telling yourself you're not good enough for X, whatever it is? Should I be doing this? You know, do, do I have what it takes to do this, this? Wait a minute. That's not from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's not from the Spirit. Nope. That's just, that's what we call spiritual attack. It's real. And we do have attacks on our lives, discouraging us from walking with the Lord. Do you really want to go to church? Is there anybody there that really knows you, really cares about you, really cares if you're there? Yes. I'll tell you that right now. If there's nobody else, which I know that's not true, I do. But I know this church, love, we, we love each other here. We care. You know, you're burdened? Let's pray together. Don't carry that burden by yourself. We're not called to be lone rangers. We, we, we go to the Lord and we can go to each other. Verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner 
as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. Wow. Crying out for God's mercy. Sounds a little bit like David's dealing with some guilt here. Like he knows he's wrong, right? When he said my transgressions that he mentioned, and he's like, that was back in verse 8, deliver me from all my transgressions. And then he, he continues in this prayer. says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. God does hear. He is faithful to hear uh, when we call out to him. He's praying for forgiveness and mercy here. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger uh, with you, a sojourner, and uh, as all my fathers were. That I've, I've just got you. You know, I need you to be the one that hears me. I need you as you're seeing that that gaze that that David has convinced himself. You know, that he's already experiencing the correction. You know, it's not like God wants to stare him down and melt him away, like David is saying here. He says, he says, remove your gaze from me that I may regain my strength before I go away and am no more. Right? He's like, I know I'm guilty. I know I have this transgression. It's heavy on his heart. And where did it lead him? To a point of just being so broken that he feels like, you know, if God keeps looking at him, he's just going to melt. He's going to go away. Now, we know that this is emotion that David is dealing with. He's dealing with something extremely heavy. You know, remove your gaze. You know, um, you know that we, uh, it's funny because we can, uh, we can get to a point where I remember being a teenager where I knew things were wrong. And I'm like, God, God, I hope he's not watching right now. <laughs> no, he very much is, right? You know, well, maybe if I just take my cross necklace off, then then I won't be committing as great of a sin. Literally, I was doing that as a kid, as a as a teenager. Take off my cross necklace. Right? The Lord, you know, the remove your gaze from me. You know, when we're when we're guilty, just pour our heart out and say, Lord, I'm I'm guilty. You know it. I know it. Please restore me. I know I'm a vapor. I know that I'm temporary. Uh, I just I need you to restore me and to help me. And the Lord will. Psalm 40. David again writing to the chief musician, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I know this is a shifting of gears, okay? So this is a different song that David is writing. We're going from the heavy part of 39, and now into, into 40 he's saying, I waited for the Lord, and, and climbed, uh, he inclined to me and heard my cry. Totally separate psalm, but remember when he was crying out to the Lord, he's like, please hear me. Now he's saying that at another point in his life, he, he point out to the Lord, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. He poured his heart out, and God heard him. <clears throat> when you can consider that verse in Isaiah, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Trusting, waiting in the Lord. To seek his face, to wait for God to respond and to guide us. Trusting him, praying to him. 
When we don't wait on the Lord, we do things in our own strength. And what happens? Things fall apart. That's just what they do. They fall apart. But when we wait on God, when we say, Lord, I need your direction. I, I'm laying this at your feet. I trust that you're going to speak. I know you're going to. And then three seconds later, just go do. Well, you didn't speak to me in those three seconds. I'm going to, I don't know about you guys, but I've done that several times. Lord, I need to wait. And then, okay, I don't want to wait anymore. And I'm going to go, well, hopefully God just keeps me from saying or doing or whatever, the dumbest thing. And uh, sometimes the Lord will let us see, you didn't wait on me. But when you consider something like that, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And we're just going to read the first half of this verse. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart are loyal to them. He wants to show himself strong. He wants to if we wait. If we wait on the Lord. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro uh, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal. And then it goes on to say, those guys didn't, if you see the rest of the verse. And there's correction that came with it. But we know the nature of God, that he He wants to. Uh, where it says that his eyes are going here and here, for someone he wants to show himself strong to, if we're willing to wait on the Lord, if we're willing to trust in him, right? When David said, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. When I poured out my heart and I asked God to help and I waited for him and he answered, then David can understand like Isaiah said that I, it was like when the Lord took it, it was like I mounted up with wings as eagles. You know, I could walk and I, I could run and not uh, be weary. I could walk and not be faint because we're walking with the Lord. We're in the Lord's will where God guides God provides, right? As long as we're waiting and we're looking for him to guide, then we're not going to be doing things in our own strength and getting tired physically, spiritually, emotionally. But if we, as we wait on the Lord and he takes care of what we have going on, we're going to be in so much better shape. Verse 2, he also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. You know, our God is in the business of saving lives and saving souls. You know, our sin and circumstances will leave us mired, uh, you know, in a, in a bad spot. And, uh, you know, he loves to extend. I remember um, when uh, we were uh, kind of, there were a group of us that were being trained in youth ministry um, by our assistant pastor over in Washington. And uh, he was training us in things, and he would have each of us take turns teaching. And, and Tim, uh, this guy, uh, they, the guy that was training us was named Tim, and then one of the other guys that was a trainee, his name was Tim. And I remember when he shared with the youth group, and he was talking about the Lord reaching out his nail-scarred hand to help. And that's a, that was a powerful thing that stuck with me when we consider a nail-scarred hand being reached out to us, that, that Jesus would reach out to save us, where, where he's talking about here, that horrible pit. I mean, this sounds like a bad place to be, verse 2. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. The, the horrible pit of miry clay, he rips us out of that and put our feet upon the rock. That's what God likes to do. He loves to take us from that filth, 
from that, that stinky place, that horrible place to be, and to pull us out and go, now you're set on a firm foundation. Your life is set here. You're, you're walking with me. Here's your narrow path to walk. I've paved the way for you. You can just follow me now. You know, oh, he's, he's so good. He establishes us, sets our feet on a new path in him. Our path took us to the miry clay. God likes to take us and set our feet on, on the rock. Verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. New life in him results in a new song in our heart. You know, when we've accepted the Lord and we start walking with him and we can't help but share him, can't help but praise him and bring glory to him. And um, I know sometimes we turn into like a super, super witness, right, when we're brand new in the Lord and, and sometimes are, are just lopping off ears as we're doing it, okay? But this is joy. Okay, that when when that new song being put in our heart, praise to God, that that new life, when that new song is going, you know, that new song is about the Lord. And that when when people are witnessing around us, that there's a different tone coming from our lives. There's a difference in our lives. Right. It, it just I know uh, just talking with some of us here that. Those differences that the when you know, hey, I was at work and and uh, the conversation was quite different, you know, when I when I brought up the Lord, you know, or when I brought up this or that, you know, that's a new song that's being sung. Some people are going to like it, some aren't. But it says many will see it and fear, and what it, this is cool, and will trust in the Lord. Many will notice, uh, and it will draw them to the Lord. So don't feel like, oh, well, you know what. I've got a light. I've got to put my light under a lamp. I need to be. I need to be a silent witness. Yes, my life has changed, but nobody can know. You know, right? Right. But that's what our enemy would want. That's what our flesh probably wants, just to hide away. And, and no, you know, we, we're we're different. We're different. We should be standing out. You know, should we be annoying that nobody even wants to talk with us? Probably not. But there should be a, a new song of love coming from us. That's different. You know, nasty jokes are getting told, not taking part in it. You know, even if you were the guy, you were the girl that had the joke, that had the, the, the whatever, or you were the one that was known as the party or whatever. You know, when our lives change, right? And, and what will often happen is when that person sees the change and the different song coming from our life, when they get tired of that life. That's when, when they say, wait, many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. They're going to come and say, I need what you have. What, what is that? You know, uh, it, it might be at first ridicule. Or really, you guys are going to go to church once a week. Okay, so you, you go to church every week. And wait a minute, you're getting a little radical. You're going Sunday and Wednesday. And you're completely nuts if you're going twice on Sunday and on Wednesday and the men's Bible study and way of escape and the women's study. Yeah, well, hopefully men aren't, but you, you, you get it, right? Right. <laughs> you get it, right? Wait a minute. What's happening? My life is being restored. My life is being changed. This is where I find my fulfillment. Fulfillment, that joy. You know, once we've found that joy, it's going to come out. It has to. 
I love that it says that they will uh, they will trust in the Lord. As we sing our, our new song publicly, that singing that song can be just us carrying out our lives. What we say, right, when we study in 39, what we say, and James, you know, we should use our words carefully, but as our words are coming out and they're praising the Lord or they're, they're just nice words, they're full of love and encouragement and those things that, that we have experienced in our lives and we're pouring that into somebody's life, that's going to make a difference in someone's life. Verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. You know, trust in God and not in man. James 4, verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8 says, But God gives, he, uh, he gives, sorry, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and uh, does not respect the proud. Where it says right in, in James, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, though that that humility when uh, walking in humility, you know, the Lord does not like pride. You can look all through the scripture and pride is condemned. When we get too proud, we get too big for our britches. The Lord likes to. It's better for us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up rather than remember the, that prayer. I know I've mentioned this a few times, but when you've got the sinner that can't even look up to God and crying out like, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then you've got the guy coming to God in his own pride and in his own goodness. Right? There's no, none righteous, no, not one, right? Jesus is the only one. We can't approach God. We can't approach anything with pride. It's, it's the humility that we need to have in our lives. Verse 5. Many, O Lord, are your wonderful works, which you have done. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted uh, to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, there are more than can be numbered. You know, this is a very comforting verse, verse 5. You know, he's the God of wonderful works, it says. God, uh, it, when he says, O Lord, my God, uh, are your, many, O Lord, uh, my God, are your wonderful works. He's, he's that God of wonderful works. And when you read through this and, and read through this, we understand here that he thinks about us a lot. That we're the apple of God's eye. You know, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. I don't know about you, but it, it gets overwhelming to think of God just being this, this remember God, the spirit, right, is, is living within us. The Christian has God's spirit living in us. There's a uh, there is a false teaching that will tell us that there's there's a God that can uh, there is one God that can manifest himself in three different ways. But it's not three different persons that he comes in different modes, you know, that that at one point he's God, the father and another point he's God, the son at another point. He's God, the Holy Spirit of modalism. And it's it's total heresy. It's wrong. There is one God, the Trinity, one God, three different persons, different distinct persons. OK, but just just to think that that the Lord knows 
He knows us. Wonderful works. And your, your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted. That, that, that we can't sit there, it, it, sorry, can't be counted. Uh, yeah, it says recounted uh, to you in order. We can't go back and go, oh, Lord, I saw how you work here. So, because we're going to lose count on his faithfulness and what he, the good things he's done for us. Trying to recount them all, flip that in reverse, right? What have we done for God? <laughs> right? You know, there, there's a song by a band uh, called Tree 63. Look what you've done for me and, and uh, what can I do for you? And God doesn't have anything else to prove his, his love for us. What can I do for you, Lord? What can I offer you? I don't have anything to bro offer. I'm just this broken thing. But what can I do for you that's going to please you? Because God has already shown us through the scripture that he's got so many thoughts for us and that he, he's, he loves us so much that we can't even try to recount all the things that he's done in order. He says, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's, that's pretty powerful for one person. One person. We're that, each person is that precious to the Lord, his children. That's meditate on that. When you're having that day, like Psalm 39, go to Psalm 40 and read this. You, you can go there and go, yeah, I can, I can get the heaviness here. And then when you turn the page and, or you go over to verse to 40 and you get to something here and like, I'm not lost and forgotten and God doesn't hate me. And God, does, you know, you know what? He has forgiven me. And I can look back on how good he's been to me. How much he loves us. He's constantly working on our behalf. Consider Jeremiah 29 verses 11 through 13. Going to be familiar ones for you. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's our God. I know the thought that for peace and and uh, then we, when we understand what well, my wife has those on our wall, they're right there. Uh, this on our, our living room wall. Just a reminder, God, uh, for his children. God was speaking that to Jeremiah who needed that encouragement. Sometimes we do, too. But God isn't too big to care about us. The God that I know I've said this before, but knows how many hairs are on our head. That's impressive. You know, don't let that the, the the don't let that slip past us. And if uh, we have some of us have less follicles, that's okay. I mean, consider them on your arm. Then I don't know, but he he knows he knows right. Romans eight twenty eight tells us we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. He's working for us. This is a very encouraging psalm as we're reading it. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears, you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Remember, um, when I talked about uh, Samuel correcting uh, Saul. This is also another part of Samuel correcting Saul. First uh, Samuel 15, verse 20. So Samuel said to Saul, because he was given very specific instructions. He was go to wipe out everything that had to do with the Amalekites. All of them. And Samuel shows up and he's hearing the bleeding of sheep. 
why am I hearing all the, why are all the, the best of everything? And Saul tries to point, oh, it's the people. They would have turned on me. Dude, who is the king? Who's in charge here? And, and Saul, Samuel didn't say, dude, I don't think. But he's the one in charge. He's the one held accountable. The Lord spoke to Samuel, go correct Saul. So Samuel says to him, has the Lord? He's like, oh, we saved these things to offer them for the Lord. That's what we did. Yep, we're going to over-spiritualize this, right? Didn't pull the wool, no, no pun intended here, over his eyes. <clears throat> has the Lord as great de uh, delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifices and to heed than the fat of rams. You know, he delights in our obedience and our love for him. He delights to see us walking in him and not burdened in sin. He'd rather us just walk with him and, and talk with him rather than, oh man, I just did this wrong. Now I gotta I gotta be all broken and this and that. God doesn't want us to go through all that. You know, and, and, and when he was when Samuel was telling him, you know what, you can offer all you want. God would rather you just be obedient, and then you don't have to offer the sin offering. If you're obedient and you just don't sin, and you 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 had the opportunity right there to not sin, and you still did, you know Saul was he he, he changed quite a bit when he got big in his own eyes. Verse seven. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. He's talking about boldly and publicly sharing his faith here. And he says, when you look back or reading back into even into verse seven, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. That deep connection with the Lord in our lives, that deep personal connection, that as we're seeking Him, He He just He's ministering. He's He's remember Jacob's name got changed from heel snatcher to to governed by God. You know, we have that relationship that we're His children, governed by God that relationship and he's publicly acknowledging uh david is saying here that that he he spent time to publicly acknowledge acknowledge god in his life there's an encouragement there for us to proclaim uh you know it might be to a small group to one person or uh if we're given the platform to a great assembly what has god done for us you know city on a hill shall not be hidden right that, that as we're, you know, shine your light before all men, that when they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father in heaven, right? That's what that's what the Lord said. I love that. Didn't hide, uh, verse 10, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. You know, don't hide God's ra uh, uh, righteousness, you know, but declare it in how we live, what we say, what, and that it should be pouring out of us, right? The love that's been poured into our life should be poured out. You know, we're not going to run out of it. The, you know, God's not like, okay, enough, enough Holy Spirit, enough love for you. You've had enough. No, there's that constant pouring of the Spirit. As we're in his word, remember Lori, Lori would always share, she'd say we're leaky. We need to be in the word constantly. 
filling our lives with the word because it's going to fill us because we're leaky, right? When we're not in the word, it's like, you know, uh, because we get disconnected and we're, we're not connected to that power source, right? Because we're doing our own thing. We have to stay connected. I love that he says, I, I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Don't hide these things, his faithfulness and his salvation. The lost are broken and they want to hear it. Some may, I mean, uh, there are going to be some, don't talk to me. Okay, go pray for them. Eventually, there might be the, I mean, I've heard of the the, the hardest of rockers, you know, uh, that that uh, Christian bands are on tour with them. And uh, they, they had the opportunity to go out. And uh, that these rockers that are making songs about hating God and everything, and then they'd get to a point where, wait a minute, my wife, my, my, there was one that had uh, a um, family member had cancer and it was heavy on their heart. Who's tour bus did they go knock on the door? POD. Knock on the door. And, hey, man, come on in. They got their families in there. Sometimes they just come over because they wanted a calm place. They didn't want the craziness of the party. And they just wanted to come in and have a normal meal with them and their families because they to they're touring with their families. Come on in and play video games and hang out. They want those. They had that ability to witness in those the darkest of hearts that are just out there with these, these blasphemous songs. But who do they go to when they need help? That one that's, that's proclaiming the Lord. Verse 11, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. He's begging God for his tender mercies. And God is full of mercy. He's full of love. We can go to the Lord and just say, God, you know. So there's kind of a shift here. He's talking about, you know that I haven't done all these things that I have proclaimed. But there's still something going on in David's heart as he's writing this. And he's saying here, please don't, don't withhold your tender mercies. God's not going to. We cry out for his mercy. That's what he wants us to do. He's a loving father. He's going to give us that mercy. The prayer for God's truth to continually preserve. Your truth continually. He says, uh, let your loving kindness, your patience, and your truth continually preserve me. That's what we want preserving our lives. God's faithfulness and God's truth. You know, uh, you know, this is uh, for us, it's a day to day thing. We are called to follow the Lord every day. Take up our cross daily and to follow the Lord. We're going to have days that we feel like we've done better than others. You know, if, if we're having one of those days, just go to him and say, I need to know your mercy. I need your loving kindness. You know, I'm a mess. His truth to preserve our souls. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus to preserve us. He is, is that preservative. If we need the Lord's mercy, open the word and be in it. And we're going, he, he's going, we may not feel it. We may, we may not, when you shut your Bible, you may not feel, oh, hey, you know, I thought I took the prescription here and everything. God is ministering. You're doing the right thing. Going to the Lord and saying, I just need to be in the word. And he's going to minister. It might take a little bit for our mind to be reset, but God is faithful to us. The verse 12, that heavy burden is a result of sin. 
And he's saying that it's surrounded and overtaken by, by the guilt and shame that he's not even able to look up. You guys ever been there where you feel like that guilt is eating you up, causing a great grief and anguish of heart? Just go to the Lord. <laughs> Just go to God. Because there are going to be times, unfortunately, that we do serve ourselves and our sinful flesh. God has, doesn't hate us at that point. We go to him, repent, and he's going to restore us. We may feel like we've committed that, that God's done with us. He's not. We keep going to him. We're going to finish this out. Verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. God will answer that prayer for deliverance. Make haste. You know, like the father running to the prodigal son, right? He's mighty to save. Remember the prodigal son. He's trying to go home and like convince his dad, Dad, will you let me come in? Can I come in? You know, he's like, what am I going to say when I get to him? Dad, can I just work? Uh, can I just be one of your servants? And as he's rehearsing and while he's going through those things, no doubt, as he's, uh, he looks up and his dad sees him and bolts to him. And it, it, dad, that's the heart of our God. The heart of our God. Just to, he's mighty to say, verse 14, let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven, uh, driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha. And for the Christian, we can trust the Lord through the circumstance that he'll deliver us. We do have an enemy of our soul. And uh, we need to understand that. There are some that want us to stumble. There are some that, that, that don't want us uh, to have the joy of the Lord. And it might be, uh, that might just be spiritual. There might be people that we physically know, that we, that we know in our lives that don't want us to succeed. Just let the Lord deal with them. Just trusting in the Lord, you know, that if they're setting a snare for us, some sort of trap, it might not be the physical trap like then, but those things to embarrass to, uh, to to bring discredit upon us or whatever, just trust in the Lord, that, that they would maybe even get caught in their own thing. Last two verses. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let, though, let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. You know, love God's salvation. There's nothing greater that the sinner can experience than salvation. You know, as we read uh, earlier, that we would be pulled from the mire, set on the rock, and set on the new path. You know, all to God's glory. When we, we can see that, that those rejoice and be glad in you, let those as, uh, such as love your salvation, the salvation that the Lord offers, that we would say continually, though the ones that have been saved and we've been set on, on, the, on, on the, the rock, uh, and and now we're on that new path with the Lord that we would say uh, that the Lord would be magnified, that we would glorify God with how we live. Last verse. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. We are poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon us. Look at that verse. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. I have nothing to offer God and I'm always asking him for something, <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about it. I have nothing to offer, enough, but God, God doesn't say enough with that guy. Get rid of John, you know? 
No, God wants us to call out to him. He's a good father. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. He is the one that helps us, the one that doesn't delay to save when the sinner cries out to him. Amen? <laughs> Poor and needy. He's awesome. God, we thank you that you love us so much. We are so poor, so needy. Lord, at times so broken, so burdened, and you're so faithful to minister. We love you. We thank you, Lord. Help us to continue to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.